Ladies and gentlemen, presenting the professor, Greg Dooley, and the pundit, Steve Clark. Men, take the mic. That's right, it's the Professor and the Pundit with Greg Dooling and Steve Clark, and we're proudly presented by Nick Hopwood, who's a certified financial planner, founder, and president of Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. And Greg, I was on business for a week and a half. There's a lot that's happened. We're going to talk about who is responsible for what's going on at Michigan basketball. We're also going to talk a few things off the field. There's a lot of criticism towards Ward Manuel, not only with how he's handled Jawan Howard, but how he's handled the Jim Harbaugh situation, other things that have happened in sporting events. But since we've been away, it's official. Jim Harbaugh has left the Michigan football program. He is pursuing his NFL dream and the Lombardi Trophy, and he is doing it with the Los Angeles Chargers. And as we kind of expected, we're not devastated that he's left, but extremely thankful for the time that he spent here at Michigan. And what Michigan fans expected him to do, he did more than that. He delivered a national championship. Yeah, and first off, Steve, Glad to be back in the studio. So I did get some people like wondering where we were. Are you, are you coming back? Yeah, I know you had the trip, but we kind of wanted to see what was going to happen here with the coaching change. So we could kind of put at least a little bit of a bow on that before we closed out the season. So that's why we're back. By the way, Steve, we picked up followers in this kind of uh, a week and a half plus off, which is awesome. So thank you, everybody. We are certain to be back for season four, by the way. Don't know yet. We'll probably take a little break. So programming note, get out of the way first. And thank you, Nick, by the way, for all the support up to this point. Yeah, and on my business trip, I ran into a professor and a pundit fan. You did? On the ship. Were they rocking I the was, shirt? I was on the cruise. No, they did not have the shirt, but he w- was willing to take a picture of me flow riding that stand-up surfing deal that they have on the uh, Royal Caribbean ships. So that was very nice to listener Doug, who was there for that. So we had a chance to talk. That was very cool. And only one thing I want to talk about my trip. Normally, I wouldn't mention that there would be a belly flop contest on the ship that I was at. But I do have to mention, if you're a fan of The Simpsons, one of the participants was a dead ringer for the comic book ownership guy. My counteroffer, Radioactive Man meets the Kansas City Royals. Okay, uh, yeah. You the, know what I'm talking cynical, about? The cynic, super cynical. This uh, guy yeah. was mostly bald except for the long ponytail that went down to the crack of his butt and had the goatee. Yeah, he participated in that. How do you think he did, Greg? He did pretty well, I would imagine. He did absolutely awful. <laughs> oh, he, he did. He was like in last place. He okay. was like on a scale of one to five. The guy finished with the barely above a one. That's great. That's deep on the Simpsons roster, by the way. Like, when you think of characters, that's pretty... If we were having a name all the Simpsons characters, you'd have to go real deep for that one. And there is a first name, I'm sure. Yeah. Now, the the guy who I would expect to have done well, despite not having the physique to do a belly flop, but the guy I expect would do well on a belly flop, Otto the bus driver. For some reason, I think Otto (laughs) just succeeds in things like that. But the comics for guy, no. Well, that's like a Joey Chestnut kind of thing. Like, he doesn't look like a big guy who can put away, whatever, 78 hot dogs. Correct. Or shrimp cocktails in Indianapolis from uh, St. Elmo's, by the way, <laughs> which he really was there, really eating shrimp cocktail at the Big Ten Championship. But anyway, no, that's good. Uh, well, I'm glad you had fun. I'm also glad we're back. And just in this historic time period here, I- I'm still trying to come to grips with it. 
And where did you you let off Steve with where with Harbaugh? Yeah. With what do we do? So yeah, I, we're not devastated that he's left, and we're thankful that he brought in a national championship. And in fact, I'm kind of excited to see what Sharon Moore can do with all this. My only hesitancy, and I won't want to talk about hesitancies too much because this is a, an era of good feeling. Yeah is some of the staff members that I think many people expected to stay on with the Michigan program isn't or hasn't. And you're as good as the players around you and the assistant coaches that are around you. But as a head man, I am glad that Michigan didn't kind of dilly-dally with this and, and, and make people think, just Sharon Moore, boom, said, done, checkmate. Yep, and there was a lot of talk about a waiting period and uh, like a week and everyone's like, well, why wait the week? Just do it. Uh, Ward did, by the way, he did share that he didn't interview anybody else. He had other names, but he said after the press conference that he did not interview anyone else for the job. And I think most fans are good with that. It's funny, I, I just did my little mood rating because we have a coaching change. I just did it before we went to the studio here a day ago. And it's funny, like people are like, you can't get me off this this high like you can't get me off 100 which is which is the top michigan football as well hall you you know until we lose a game or until you know bother me some other time Dooley. but there were a lot of like eh, low 90s mid 90s a couple in the 80s which is like kind of in the big 10 hunt like that uh, that's the equivalent of the high which is basically them saying the high's over we're back in preseason now with a new regime and I'm turning the page more than half the people refuse to turn the page yet Steve good. on their, their vibe good you're allowed to feel like a <laughs> national champion for more than a couple of weeks people let it go for a few months I'm see, gonna keep it going see what happens during spring football yeah have you run into anybody who has quietly come to say to you and says I don't know about Sharon Moore I don't, I'm not I think they should have maybe I have inter interviewed some more people Here's a person that I think could have been a really good choice. I wish they would have given that person some thought. Has that not that... not inside like Michigan fandom or Michigan circles? Colin Coward said they should hire Brian Kelly, which is which is ridiculous. Which, which is not really understanding that man's reputation in the state of Michigan. Like he has burned bridges with people, and but he was like, they're going to hire Sharon Moore. What they should do is take a chance and hire an innovative coach for the long term. And I understand that. I understand that. But this is right here in front of you. And the unique, obviously, situation where he had the opportunity to coach in four games, including really two of the biggest games of this entire season, right, in in the list of big games, and succeeded. Two and, teams ranked in yeah. the top 10, one on the road, the other against Ohio State. And showed incredible courage, by the way, in how he handled the Penn State game. And obviously a lot of emotion. So you said you're not devastated. And I'm not devastated either because I think this was a, a scenario that of reasonable minds. This was in play. We knew he had interest in the NFL. We knew if the season went really well, he kind of checked a box here. And that's kind of how the guy is wired. So I'm not devastated either. By the way, I've heard more Mount Rushmore-like talk like we had. We we firmly put Harbaugh on the Mount Rushmore, but there's a question about Lloyd Carr there, but we put him in there. And, and, I, and I stick with that. But I did hear people like Sam Webb saying he's the greatest ever, and I love Sam. I can't put Jim Harbaugh ahead of fielding H. Yost. He had two dynasties. He had a dynasty 
the point of minute era before you could pass the ball. And then in his last several years as coach, a couple more national championships, he effectively had a dynasty in two different eras, completely different eras of college football. And I just can't put him ahead of Yost. It's not to say I don't respect what Harbaugh did here. I, I just think I have a hard time yeah. taking that leap. But when I look at these eras of Michigan football, we're in the Harbaugh era and we're still in it. And so what Sharon Moore does in his coaching job will reflect, I think, somewhat on Harbaugh's legacy because he's a Harbaugh guy, right? And Harbaugh brought him in and all that. So I totally see that. But I wasn't devastated either. I was devastated by someone else leaving, though. Can you guess? Strength and conditioning coach Ben Herbert. I was devastated and because, and I sent you a picture, Steve. I don't know if you had a chance to look at that. My friend Susie, who I believe shoots for the Oakland Press, is a photographer, a longtime beat photographer, caught me and Herb on the field at the Rose Bowl saying hi. And naturally, I gave Herb a bro hug. And kind of caught that exchange. And she sent me the photo a couple days ago. And the sequence of photos. And I was like, oh, man. And I can tell you that the players, they had a big affinity for Jim Harbaugh. But as you know, and I know the listeners know this, they spent their time with Herbert. And again, he speaks in my leadership class. And I'm telling you, like, his worldview is fascinating. And he challenges these players in ways that go way beyond the weight room in the relationship and the lessons he shares with them and his style and the way he go about his life, it translates to other parts of the program. I really think he had something to do with the reason why they were so disciplined because his attention to detail in the weight room and everything you do when you're in his presence, I think it translates to discipline on the field. Like he had such a big impact and on a personal level, got to know him. We've talked on the phone before. He speaks in my class. It hurt. And I think the players feel the same way about Herb. And Harbaugh, sure, obviously he's, he's, he's a great, he's a player's coach, he's all that. But he's the CEO of the football program. It's not as if everyone gets all that face time with, with Coach Harbaugh. He probably spends a lot of time with J.J., smacks his shoulder pads, but they really, really get quality time with her. And I think that's what really ripped them. And I wish the best of luck to Coach Tress, the guy who took over. I don't know him. I do know that it was frequent that Tress ran their workouts, right? Like Herb was there, but Tress ran them. He's been with Michigan since 2017. Yeah. And, so- and I think one of the biggest things about all of this in terms of why Brian Kelly shouldn't be in <laughs> and why anybody else from outside shouldn't be in is because Michigan fans – realize that this team was built up because of a mutual admiration of the culture that was within the building Mm -hmm. and that it was different than other places. Now, everybody's going to claim their culture is the top notch in college football, but not everybody could say they won a championship because of culture. And that's the way you get the feeling that Michigan won. It wasn't because of all these five-star Heisman Trophy candidates that are on the roster on both offense and defense. This is a team built by culture. So when the head man, the CEO leaves, the best thing to keep it going is to have as many people promoted from within to maintain that culture. And that's what you're seeing in all of these hires and promotions that are going on. So you have a promotion of Kirk Campbell from quarterbacks coach to offensive coordinator. Grant Newsom goes from tight ends to the offensive line. With Ben Herbert leaving, 
Okay, Justin Tress promoted. Okay, J.B. Brown, special teams being promoted for Jay Harbaugh leaving. The guys who left, we just mentioned, Jay Harbaugh, Ben Herbert, expected to leave Jesse Mentor. We expect him to go to the Los Angeles Chargers, but at the time of this recording, it hasn't been official yet that he's going to Los Angeles. And staying as of right now, because anything could change at any moment, Mike Hart is staying, staying out at the running backs. Steve Klinksdale is the co-DC. Mike Elson is still at the defensive line, and Ron Bellamy is still with the wide receivers. Again, these things can change, but notice – not a whole lot of bringing people from outside, from an Alabama or uh, a Clemson or other perennial powers, members of Coach DeBoer's staff at Washington are coming to Michigan because they want to maintain the culture that is already here. And they did the same thing, by and large, comparatively to other programs with the players. The, the top players for this team were developed by this team in this program, which is super rare right now in college football, the quarterback was a recruited quarterback, not a transfer, not they didn't plug a piece. And where they plugged in pieces, it worked really well. A.J. Barner, they plugged these guys in. They worked really well. And the culture seems to have, you just you had to be a part of it. It's one of the reasons you transferred here was to be a part of it. The other thing is that we benefited from two guys kind of at the top who were getting the most attention NIL-wise, namely Blake Corum and J.J. McCarthy, being the most humble, sharing, charitable guys to lead everyone else. Looking back is hindsight's twenty twenty, but it seems to be just a perfect formula in this era where there's all this change. Ironically, the team that has taken a beating on not being progressive in principle with 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 NIL and some other changes in college football really had the had the the antidote for all those changes by having an ingrown in-house excellent culture. And that's what happened here. It's amazing. And so why wouldn't you stick with it? Coaches are hired to be fired, though. Like, it's very rare for a Lloyd Carr to go, I'm stepping down, or a Jim Harbaugh to say, I won here, I'm leaving. Ask Ohio State. Ask Ohio State. When's the last time one of their guys retired? Well, it's it's before, before Woody Hayes. It's before Wes Fessler, who was fired in 1950. So... Whenever West Festival retired, I suppose, yeah, they're all hired. They're hired to be fired, even at top programs, as you said. So the most likely outcome, unfortunately, if you're a statistician, is that it won't work out for Sharon Moore. That's just how it goes. That is the most likely outcome. I, you know, if you're a, if you're a statistician, the notion that Coach Moore is going to go and and retire her and go to the Hall of Fame, it's a very very unlikely scenario that you have a Bo Schembeck or even a Lloyd Carr. He's got a chance to do it, though, and he's incredibly intelligent. He's got great experience. He's shown so much already, and this might be the time for a change. And by the way, he's already made state talking about NIL off the field about raising money. He's already indicated his willingness to dive right into it and support it how he can, which is a great sign. He's a young man yeah, who recruits really well, who is at ease with players, and players are at ease with him. I think he's willing to go a little bit more public in the media than Jim Harbaugh did. He's already been on with Pat McAfee. I could see him doing national shows and being very well at ease at doing that. He may help recruit with NIL purposes, potentially. It's one of the reasons why I'm excited. Young coach, great recruiter, knows how to use the media to his advantage. I think it can work well. But the, the thing that has me a little bit concerned, a little more staff 
is leaving than what I originally anticipated. And the shelf life of being in the top can go real quick from top to bottom. Sure. Very quickly. With any with any college football team. Look at Clemson. Clemson's an also ran. They've won two national titles that's recently. That's a little harsh, Steve. They're an also ran okay. right now. Okay. Okay, they're not they're not even considered a favorite in the ACC anymore. The ACC may be a one bid team when it comes to the to the twelve team playoff. That's how quickly things Absolutely. change. Absolutely. Look look at Ohio State. Did everybody think Ohio State would ever be knocked off of its perch? And they have lost three straight. They have a possibility to kind of reset things, but they're far different team than they were from a few years ago. It is really quick to go from the top of the ladder back down to the middle of the pack. It would have been, speaking of Ohio State, it would have been fun if Harbaugh stuck around one more year, maybe a couple of the other guys stick around like J.J., and give one more shot with this crew at Ohio State, who's been the anti-build-the-culture-within team with all of the NIL and the transfers that they have going on to patch together this super team of, of athletes from all over the country, to have one more shot at them down in Columbus with J.J. and Harbaugh. I'm sure they would have loved fun. it because they feel that they had every win of theirs stolen in some way or another, and it would be different in 2024. I have to admire what Ohio State's doing. First of all, they got a lot of guys that could have gone to stay, and I'm sure NIL was, was involved in a lot of that, and that's fine. I can't, I can't dismiss it or make fun of it because that's what we're trying to do at Michigan too. Yeah, and literally, the those who stay campaign, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, so I'm not going to slam Ohio State for doing what they did, and they got – a few extra guys that are coming in, although it's a possibility that their most recently hired offensive coordinator, who probably would have been stripped of his duties anyway by <laughs> by Ryan Day because he wants to call his own plays, uh, could be the next head coach at Boston College. Ah, okay, he, I didn't know that. He's on, the, he's on the top of the list. He'd be there for like a month before going to Boston College. Don't know. Again, time of the recording, things can change very quick or already be old news. So I, I mentioned that I heard Ward after – uh, Coach Moore's opening press conference or introductory press conference. And I've been to quite a few of these. I believe you have two, Steve, right? These these introductory press conferences for coaches, head coaches at Michigan. First time I've missed one in a long time yeah. because of that business trip. So Sharon Moore did a great job, and you can see the recording maybe you have. What you didn't know, maybe, is that it was pretty empty. As far as media was concerned, it was like a Monday press conference. Maybe a Monday press conference for a big game. Not a lot of national people there, a lot of empty seats. Whereas Rich Rod, Hoke, huge Harbaugh, huge circus, vans, people muscling each other. It's a big room, um, and it and it generally isn't big enough. Yeah, all the people doing the little the the, the little remotes. Hey, I'm here live at the ba 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 ba. You know, none of that. It was really chill. In fact, during the press conference, you could hear one of Sharon Moore's kids playing. He has super young kids. And you could hear one of them playing like in the back, like like a little kid playing. Right. And yeah, there were a couple regents there and there were the, some of the players came. Coach Herb was there, some of the assistants were there. But other than that, it was incredibly chill. Like incredibly chill. It was cool though that that Ward and Coach Moore got time with the media afterwards just to answer some questions. I'm trying to think if Ward said anything else interesting. He said he did say he didn't interview anybody. He did say the one thing he talked about with Moore was the requirements of the job in the head coach role 
are, and these are my words, it's, it's all the other things you have to do. It's spending time with war. It's spending time with President Ono. It's spending time with the regents. It's more media hits. It's champion circle, right? It's all of those other things that you have to do outside of the program. And that's the, what he said he talked about. He says, he says, I know he's ready to be a coach. The question is, is he ready for this transformation that is required out of any head coach? Sean Bourmet, the awesome Michigan wrestling coach. They just beat Iowa, by the way, at home for the first time in a couple decades. Yeah, 2004. It's fantastic, right? Fun to watch, by the way. That's my new basketball, by the way, is wrestling. Ironically, in Chrysler's where they do their big meets. It's fun to watch. But he comes into my class, and one of his themes is, if you think like being a leader, like he thought when he came to Michigan, he started as an assistant coach when he returned to Michigan to be a coach. He thought it would be all be about a, having the whistle in his mouth and coaching up guys on the mat. He said the one thing that surprised him was how much it wasn't that, and especially as the head coach. And he showed a slide of all of the people tied to the wrestling program, including his Olympic center, which, which trains Olympic athletes and all that stuff, and all the fundraising and support staff they do. It's this slide of all of these dozens of people. He says, this is what I do. He goes, I manage like this big thing of people. Well, can you imagine what Sharon Moore has to do and what head coaches have to do? That's what Ward said he talked to him about, is that side of the job. Is he ready for that? And apparently he is. And so I'm looking forward to seeing that, man. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he does it. Well, speaking of Ward Manuel, he has been dodging a lot of arrows that have been coming his way. And Michigan basketball, who's to blame <laughs> for all that has been going on this season? We'll talk about it, but we're going into halftime. So let's hear from Nick Hopwood, our great sponsor. It's halftime here on The Professor and the Pundit with Greg Dooling and Steve Clark. And now joining us in studio to talk a little bit about football and investing is Nick Hopwood, who's a certified financial planner for Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. Nick, you've got your own podcast going and you're doing something a little bit different. You've got a YouTube channel as well. Yeah, it's the Trust the Plan podcast with Nick Hopwood and Jim Pilot. And oftentimes it's just us talking, but oftentimes we have guests on as well. And you're right, we do simulcast on the YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash peakwealthmgmt. And we're, we're getting a good following, so check us out. And I noticed you've put some like social media hits out there with little clips, like a little piece of advice, and they're really good. How have those been received? Thanks. Yeah, those are the reels, the 30-second clips. We had one that went viral talking about tipping. Yes. And it had like a million views. It was awesome. It's crazy how our tipping culture, like at coffee shops and stuff, has, has gone out of control. Like the guilt of going up to that machine and saying, okay, no, I don't want to give you a $5 tip for my $3 coffee. Yeah, I, I'm totally fine with the 20% tip, even if it's bad service, honestly. I've, in a I've, restaurant. I've worked in the service industry. <laughs> Same. It's hard, man. Like I was a busboy at Chi-Chi's. You know, it, it was hard work. But the hard thing is when you're doing carryout and they flip over the iPad and then they want you to tip. That's where it's frustrating for me. Okay. Well, I do think tipping the carryout something is appropriate. It's not 20%. Though. Yeah. Okay. I, I do a dollar per dish, per entree, you know? I got a new one for you. I was asked to tip on my oil change. Mm, that's that's, that's brutal. Tip on your oil change? Yes, me that's if I wanted to leave material. a tip. <laughs> Time that for a Tesla. Wild. <laughs> Time so for a Tesla. It wasn't a car wash where the guy was, was drying. This was an oil change. Yes. And they asked you for a tip. Okay. Okay, I, I just threw up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And again, a big thanks to Nick, who has been through us uh, for all three seasons and planning on for a fourth. And we just so much appreciate his support. And you can show... 
your support by giving him a call or going online at peakwm.com. Now into the second half, Craig, and we were mentioning Ward Manuel. He did speak to your class at a time where there was a lot going on with him and for him. Yeah, so he spent almost an hour suffering through a Q&A that I led, but my students submit questions the night before, and I took those and I kind of organized them and did a talk track, and Steve, we covered it all. Not only a little bit about his background and his career, a couple surprising things that I didn't know there. He talked about some of his experiences at UConn in Buffalo where he, where he was athletic director. And yes, he talked about Tony Petiti and their relationship moving forward. He talked about conference realignment. And of course, a lot of the students and some of my students asked, like some wanted me to like, how can you lose Jim mm-hmm. Harbaugh? How can you lose this coach or that? So this wasn't a hit. This was a history of college athletics interview. This was supposed to get insight from a sitting athletic director at a power four conference, right? Power five, power four. Not ask him what he did last night. Yeah. And how did this happen? Yeah. And how did this happen? So I went in on what is your philosophy around managing coaches and changes and firing and hiring and all this, right? And he did take time to express, I'll, I'll use these words, uh, carefully, I guess his concerns about a lot of the things that, that people say who don't know. And he does deliberately not share a lot of information about private conversations with his coaches. But if there was one thing where I guess that what I would say is my hunch is he's very concerned about all of the things that are said about what happens at Michigan by people who have no idea or what exactly was said. But he's not going to be the one to go out there and run around and try to correct people. He's basically like people are talking and they don't know. And this, he goes, this goes all the way to the top because his conversations with coaches are private by and large. And he did share, like you've heard from Jordan Acker, if you've seen out there, the sentiment that he's a regent, by the way. Yeah, Regent Jordan Acker, that there was, of course, there's an effort and a desire to keep winning coaches at Michigan, but these are grown men who make decisions. So you try to put the best offer out there you can, but ultimately they make their decision. And when, when he did is what, you know, he wished him the best and that's Ward's take, but you can tell it takes a lot because I, I showed a picture of all our old athletic directors, Steve, and you could probably do this too. I can go through and tell you all the criticisms, Tom Goss, oh, the halo, right? I could go Don yeah. Canham, title yeah. nine, Bill Martin, Excuse me, honey, I'm the athletic director. You know, whatever he said, you yeah. know, what he, I can tell you all the yeah. Dave Brandon, obvious, right? Well, you know, Jim, you know, Jim Harbaugh, he took $16 million, and that is double what most people make in college football. Anybody above $8 million, few and far between. He also wants the Lombardi Trophy. That's the legacy. And as he said, there's only so many sands left in the hourglass, which course tells me that he uh, watched days of our lives when he was a kid <laughs> it's what he wanted to do it also kind of gives me the hint that regardless of what happened with michigan this year he was going so my hunch is that's exactly where it was with jim harbaugh but he didn't know if he had an offer because by the way it does sound like he thinks he had an offer waiting for him in minnesota right so he couldn't cut off negotiations and shut his office down at jim becker hall and they wanted to keep that dialogue going because maybe this was the best option to stay. But he had an idea. 
and he he had an idea of what he wanted from an NFL team, and it sounds like the Chargers gave it to him. Yeah, including the money. It's not just the money though; it's control. I forget which player it was who said they knew what Jim and JJ were going to do before it was announced what they were going to do, and, and so it, it, it's becoming more clear to me that Jim Harbaugh if there was an offer from the NFL, was going to take it regardless of whether Michigan's season ended with a overtime loss to Alabama or whether a national championship lost to Washington. If those stains of losing to either one of those two teams didn't prevent him from getting an NFL job, because quite frankly, his resume now looks really solid, a national championship and three consecutive you know, final four appearances. Okay, yeah. It looks really good. Damn good. It's what he wanted to do. So Ward yeah. Manuel probably was going to be able to handle that. As far as an athletic director who talks and doesn't talk, Ward, as you say, doesn't like to talk a lot. So what does that mean? That just leads to rampant speculation and rumors. And, and the only people are talking are the people who are listening, even though they're just spreading out things that they may or may not know. And then on the converse side of that, if you've got a very talkative athletic director, then you're just going to be on the chopping block for every single sentence you ever say. Yeah. Watch out, President Ono, by the way. He's gotten a little quieter in this politically charged role as president, being out there everywhere and being very vocal. Be careful. Like, I think the honeymoon's over for President Ono. And just watch it, because he's gotten some of the collateral damage of this, too, if you, if you look at it. And, I, and I'll say this. One observation, and I've heard this from regents, I'll just say that, that no one was backing Jim Harbaugh. Like, very few people were backing Jim Harbaugh after COVID. Most people wanted him fired. That's a fact. Ward stuck up for him, and he got criticized for it. He got criticized for it. And here's my observation, is the same people who criticized him for that are the same people criticizing Ward for quote-unquote losing him. And I know it's funny because I know our listeners are like, Dooley, you're sitting here defending this guy. I, you know, look at all the other coaches and everything. I wasn't in those meetings. And, and the closer I get and the more I heard from Ward and the more I see as you've done, Steve, it does seem like there are a lot of other factors that led these guys to leave. And I'm not – I don't want to walk through all of them. But I do think John Beeline wanted to give the NBA a shot. Well, he still could. Eric Backich, right? Eric Backich, he is from Clemson. His sport is baseball. It's really hard to have a baseball team up here up north. That was tough. Was there a possibility to have them? Yeah. But the question, you, people listening, you don't go to baseball games. You don't go to Michigan baseball games. If we had 12,000 people, I don't know if you can fit that. You probably fit like 3,000. Go to baseball games. Maybe it's a different conversation. Maybe if we're playing baseball games in Michigan Stadium, that'd be awesome. Clemson paid him as if he was a revenue-earning coach. Because it is at Clemson, okay? I sympathize with Ward. And by the way, much respect. Because he easily could have said, hey, Dooley, there's too much going on. I'm not coming to your class. I sent him an outline, but I didn't send him any specific questions. He looked at it. Because he criticized me about one of the things I suggested in, in my outline. And he stood there and answered all the questions. So if nothing else, take that. Like, he stood in a class of 125 students and answered a bunch of questions when he's being criticized more in his role here than he has ever in his career, really, at this moment. And one of the things he's being criticized is why he hasn't fired Jawan Howard already. <laughs> well, and and that's... that did not – I did not – bring that up for good reason, Steve, because I can't, I have a hard time talking about it. So I know we have talked about it and this is a podcast where you talk 
But I didn't bring it up to him because I and I don't think he would. By the way, right now, no, yeah, no. But but it it is a downward spiral with no end in sight for Michigan basketball right now, and I can tell. There's a lot of arguments on one side saying this is all the coach's fault and it's their responsibility to get the players to play up. And then there is the other side that says, look, they just don't have the players. But that was the promise with Juwan. Oh, I know. That he was going to – I know. Maybe he's not beeline, and, and there's, but he's – people are coming out of the womb wanting to play for, for Juwan Howard, which was true. He was on every five-star had Michigan on its list. Well, but also Michigan was also one of the teams that was a factor in, in winning a national championship. And now that they're not, those players aren't necessarily interested in coming to Ann Arbor. This, to me, is really simple. Last year, at this time, Michigan's three best players had decisions to make. Stick with Michigan, go to the NBA, transfer. Worst-case scenario, all three of them. Hunter Dickinson transferred to Kansas, and you can understand why. The NIL money was not present for Michigan basketball as it is for football, and it was much greener somewhere else. Jed Howard, NBA, first round, picked pretty high. Kobe Bufkin, NBA, first round, picked pretty high. You can understand the individual decisions they made, but for as a program, they were 0 for 3 on plan A. So what's plan B? Let's go to the transfer portal and get three guys to make up for it. They didn't get three guys to make up for it. They had one guy named Caleb Love who was ready to come to Michigan, and that's great considering they just lost three other players. This is a coup, in my mind, until admissions decided this isn't even borderline, this isn't even close, why are you even submitting this as a name to put in? Yeah, and I heard it was more complicated than that, but go ahead. Yeah, sure. But – yeah. He's not there. He's not there, right. Plan B, no transfers of note, failure. This is a roster that you could tell in June was going to be depleted and be like a near last place team as it was. Now, as the season has gone on, you are finding that Michigan can play pretty good in the first half, but they can't play very well in the second half. And their defense is lagging and it's suffering. And it's all kind of come to a head with this Rutgers lost another poor team in the Big Ten with only one win in the month of January. Michigan led by nine and a half. What was it? A 16 to two, 17 to two run by Rutgers at the end of the game. Michigan had a 15 point lead in the second half and they lost the game. And it's becoming a familiar sight to have these second half letdowns. And it's finally gotten to the point where Jawan Howard at the end of the postgame press conference either had to admit that we can't coach very well or our players can't follow direction. Which, t- which side did he pick? He, <laughs> <laughs> the one that you obviously have to do, but at the same time, it's, it's like chopping your own head off. It's something you just try to avoid at all costs, admitting you can't do it, or two, throwing your kids under the bus. Well, I felt like he did throw the kids under the bus. He did. And, and and when you start saying maybe we'll play walk-ons and things like that, you are absolutely calling. And there's a way to call your players out. Now look. Oh, so I wouldn't fire Juwan if I were Ward Manuel. Okay, right now. He deserves more time. And let's say this. Jim Harbaugh, great leaders have to make pivots at certain points in their career in certain circumstances. Jim Harbaugh did it. 
he turned over his coaching staff with some of the feedback from his inner, inner circle of players, hired younger assistants. John Beeline made a pivot at Michigan. People forget this, man. They were struggling. He made a pivot in his career to embrace getting to know his players, building a culture. He did exercises where they, where they defined what, what's important to them, what are their values, and actually started to live by them. He created a different relationship with him. He was more of an old-school coach. He transformed himself. Could Juwan do it? He could. I think he deserves the opportunity, but something has to change. Because I know there are good I, – I know some of these assistant coaches at, at some level don't know their strength coach who, what, is let go officially? What What is Sanderson's status? He's on – It's up in the sabbatical. air. Sabbatical? Yeah, he's not there. Okay. He has a chance to, to change, but this is a proud guy. This is a guy who spent all those years in the NBA – I think he sees things a certain way, and he's trying to do that, and it's not working right now. Well, I don't he think gets he gets more time. I don't Steve. think he has a single player who's an it guy right now. And if you catch what I'm trying to say, is that when things are get hard, there are people who excel to the next level. Okay, who lead the team, break out of the funk, become a reliable guy to go to when things are really tough. I don't think there's a single person like that on this roster. Not an it guy. And you don't mean not like an it a, guy. Not a Stephen King fan. This is like it. Georgie, meet Pennywise. <laughs> a guy a guy who who is just special. Yeah. Okay. You're there's right. a lot of above average Doug, Doug showed signs. There's a lot of above average yeah. players on this team. But there isn't one that is transformational. So Th- that seems to be on, on on every team, there's one transformational guy on the roster. There isn't one on this one. So when Michigan feels a run coming, they seem to be powerless to stop it. So I always had a bit of hope about Harbaugh, even in those dark times just a few years ago, because I never thought he would want to leave this place in worse off, if nothing else, because of the legacy of Bo and what this place has meant to him and his family. Like, I'm going to do whatever I can, at, at least not to leave this place worse than I found it, right? And he's – check. I wonder if Juwan is having that conversation, if he if he has that, that gear. Like, does he care this much about this place? By the way, a place that hasn't treated he and the Fab Five very well. The banners are still at the Bentley Library. They haven't done much with it. They obviously hired him. But does he care about this place like that where he's willing to look at himself and make – transform his staff, maybe think about some things. And I love so many guys in the staff, right? This is tough. I don't have the magic formula. Something has to change. Can Juwan do it? I'm doubtful. He deserves another year. Yeah. Okay, do you agree with that? Is it, is it one year? Sure. I'm not sure. Okay, okay. But it, his job is harder now because okay. the school is at the bottom of the Big Ten and he's got to be able to recruit guys who are going to build that up All and right. find a transformational guy that will succeed in the clutch. So what what are the chances that for Juwan, he decides this didn't work out for him. He's still, uh, in a, well, first of all, he's very wealthy. Let's put that aside a second. He's spent so much time in the NBA. He's, he's lived a full coaching life, right? Does he, health reasons, don't have the fortitude right now to do this, getting criticized, this wasn't what I signed up for, gracefully resign, move on, 
Do you think that's even a possibility? I think it's a remote possibility. That I would he, call it remote. Okay. I don't think he resigns. I think he, he continues to fight because I think he's a fighter. I think so, too. So I'd love to see that. I'd love to see maybe this is what we need. Okay. It, I wish it wasn't this painful slog, but maybe this is what, what he needs, what the program needs at this point. Unfortunately, they're unwatchable. They're unwatchable. I turned on the Rutgers game. Steve, we were up 12. My dad has a degree from Rutgers. I happen to know that he sent a text to my nephew who went to Michigan saying Rutgers rah, rah, rah after the game. And I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) They won the game. Did you see the gambling tip over the weekend? What was it? It was Michigan winning the first half, parlay into Michigan losing the game. Brilliant. Plus 600 about an hour before tip-off. Wow. I didn't act on it. Michigan was a four-point favorite home against a really struggling bad basketball team. I know we have Why some, bother? some gambling degenerates listening, and there you go. If nothing else, Plus 600, this. and it seems so predictable now. Seems like easy money oh my in, God. in hindsight. This is not, anyway. This is not. So, we're, so we, we just went from, we're at, still at the national championship talk. Yeah. To this. And this is why I'll, we're taking a few weeks off. I'll tell you, it's so much more fun, though. You know, for most of us, our diehard football fans, when you get hockey, especially when you get basketball rolling, it just extends that feeling and when they're doing well. And so to suffer through this, it's tough, Steve. It's let's, tough. Yeah, let's wrap things up. Uh, where yeah. Michigan and Ohio State people can actually get along at times. Yeah, and this is a sad story. So many of you know on Twitter, there's a guy named Swanky Wolverine. And one thing that he does is these awesome Photoshopped images of all kinds of stuff. He puts together custom videos that are usually hilarious, but with a movie theme or something like that. You guys know the drill. He makes memes. Well, one thing he's done over the last several years is there's there was a guy, Tom Adelsberg, on Twitter who's a big Ohio State fan, and he would post a picture of himself all geared out or at a restaurant or at a game wearing all his Ohio State stuff. And what Swanky would do is Photoshop over all his gear, everything he's doing, and change everything in the picture to all Michigan stuff. And here's the beauty of it. This Tom guy, he wasn't a jerk about it. He just laughed. He would he would continue to post stuff, and Swanky would jump on it and occasionally change it all to the Michigan stuff, like in the next tweet, right? And it was a fun little, like, exchange between these two guys. The guy passed away. Did you know this, Steve? I did. Yeah, so he passed away. And so what Swanky did, he said, here's my last, you know, Photoshop of, of Tom. And what he photoshopped was Tom's name being unveiled in the circle of honor uh, in the horseshoe. And it was really like touching, <laughs> a really touching thing that I'm sharing. Some of you are here for this first time. You're going, well, that's kind of weird, Dooley. It was like I saw it and I didn't even know he passed away. And I'm like, what is he doing? And I, I put two and two together because it has the year he died. And I just thought it was a really kind of a nice rivalry story, a sad ending here but kind of a nice, the best of maybe what the rivalry can be. And we have people in our neighborhood who are Buckeye fans. Still alive. We still, yes, still alive. And we (laughs) we seem to get along with them just fine. I think. I haven't seen some of these guys. Is is it because of the national championship? Do you think they're they're out and about after three straight wins? No. No, but some of these people have had M's like painted on their lawns and things like that. And by the way, this was after they beat us, okay? (laughs) Like for games they beat us, so... I, I will say, for the most part, 
my Buckeye friends have been very quiet. I think this one, this stung a little. This wasn't good job in the bowl game, way to go to beat Penn State, which is kind of a mutual thing. This one stung a little bit, I think, for a lot of Rivals fans. And it probably, Steve, is what makes it a little better for us. <laughs> like the way course, it fell down. With of course, Chris. they all think that Ryan Day's really never lost to Michigan, too. Oh, so, yeah, that's oh. another that's another why reason why but it see, stings. I think I think it hurts even worse. But then we beat Alabama and won the national championship at the end running away. Like 15-0, there was no doubt. So even in their heart of hearts, Steve, I think it makes it hurt. And they can say that, and they can do those things for fun on Twitter. But do they really believe it? Some of them do, right? It's only a lie. I would you know, not want to be on the same jury it. with people. Yeah. I would not want to be okay. on a jury it's with people. It's not a lie if you believe it. I get it. Um, by the way, so most of the stuff that I've ordered has come in. So here's what I went with on the Michigan Daily Print. So uh, I put this on Invictors. Look at my favorite things post. You can see all the stuff that I bought. By the way, my bourbon glasses from the MDen that are etched are choice okay and they just shipped them so they're like glass bourbon glasses but they're etched with michigan national champions bah, bah, bah. they're beautiful so my daily prints here's what i went with steve on the national championship one the victors or victors michigan daily cover after the national championship i'm gonna take 12 of those 2024 paper confetti pigskins mm-hmm. and then underneath it is going to be confetti from the field 45 pieces, 12 pieces, 12 national championships, 45 pieces, 45 Big Ten championships, not blocking the picture at all. Nice. Every piece of confetti has a story, Steve, and so does mine in my print. What do you think about that? I can't wait to see it when it's all done. So when do you think you're going to be done? So here's the other thing I just added, though. I sent you those pictures of Herb giving me the bro hug at the Rose Bowl. Yes, by the way, if you see it in the public... uh... Greg is the one on the left. <laughs> so I'll put a, a small picture of it on, on them victors. But I got a 20 by 30 coming to that, which I think I'm going to put somewhere. I don't know if that's going to my office at, at, at work or, or at home. But so I'm almost done. I got the Rose Bowl one being printed. I have shared a bunch of confetti with some friends. Oh, one other update. We may have a national championship prof and pundit revised logo coming from our friend Scott at the Black Hands. Stay tuned for that, okay? So that should be fun. Uh, we're going to take a few weeks off at least. Just stay tuned to social media. Steve Clark 2 on Twitter, mvictors.com uh, for the professor. We'll let you know ahead of time when our next episode is coming through. Of course, if there's any big news, we will jump right on it and uh, share our thoughts with that. But until then, remember that Michigan football is the undefeated and undisputed national champion. Go Blue, Greg. Go Blue.